0: Today is the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, as well as the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. so the Sunday takes precedence over that that feast. The epistle for today's Mass is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. Brethren, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary one to another, so that you do not the things that you would, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are fornication, uncleanness, immodesty, luxury, idolatry, witchcrafts, enmities, contentions, emulations, wraths, quarrels, dissensions, sex, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I foretell you, as I have foretell you, that they who do such things shall not obtain the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is charity, joy, peace, patience, benignity, goodness, longanimity, mildness, faith, modesty, continency, chastity. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified their flesh with the vices and concupiscences. Please stand for the gospel. The Gospel is taken from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will sustain the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not be solicitous for your life, what you will eat, nor for your body, what you will put on. Is not the life more than the meat? and the body more than the raiment? Behold the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor do they reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you of much more value than they? And which of you, by taking thought, can add to his height one cubit? And for your clothing, why you solicitous? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They do not work, neither do they spend but I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed as one of these. Now if God clothes the grass of the field and such like, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more you, O you of little faith? Do not worry, therefore, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or where shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the heathens seek. For your Father knows that you have need of all these things. Seek, therefore, first the kingdom of God and his justice, and all these things shall be added to you. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, there was a mother standing next to the cross of her son. She was sorrowful, she was tearful, yet she was calm in her sorrow and her suffering. She was the greatest creature that God had ever made, and it was the greatest moment of her life. The greatest moment was a tragic moment, one which would redeem the human race. There are three things we have to understand today about Our Lady standing at the foot of the cross. First of all, why was she there? Secondly, what did she do? And then thirdly, what does this mean for us? So first of all, Why was she there?" You say to me, I know why she was there, Father. That's very clear. She was the best mother that ever existed. She loved her son more than any other mother could love her son. And what mother would ever abandon her son, even if he was suffering public execution? Our Lady wanted to be beside him, beside our Lord at his supreme moment of trial. She wanted to show her love for him, even though it cost her so much suffering. And this is why we call her Our Lady of Compassion. This is why we honor her, because she was willing to be there at the death of her son, even though it cost her so much. And she is still willing to love us, even though we are the ones who caused her son to die. This is the answer that you gave me. I would say yes. All of this is very true. And I never want you to forget this perspective about Our Lady standing at the foot of the cross. At the same time, however, you must not stop there. There is something extremely important for you to realize about Our Lady standing at the foot of the cross, Our Lady's presence there that goes beyond even those things that I have just said. And it's this, it's that Our Lady was present at the cross not just to compassionate her son, but also to help him redeem the human race by means of her sufferings. Her role as Mother of God included two other roles. One role was that she be our Redeemer with her son that she be the co-redemptrix. And she in other words, she redeemed the human race with her son and in subordination with him, to him. The other role is that she be our mother. She's mother of God, but in that role, she's also the co-redemptrix and she's also mother of us. So with that role of co-redemptrix, what we have to understand is that God the Father gave his beloved daughter, Our Lady, a special role to be the associate of her son in the work of redemption. That's what we call the co-redemptrix. Why I call her the co-redemptrix? The son had a role. He was to be nailed to the cross and suffer a physical death. The mother also had a role on Good Friday. Friday. It was a role that was different from her son. Her son had a role fitting for a man, and this was to fight the devil, as it were, in a physical combat. The mother was also to die, but she was to suffer a different kind of death, a death of sorrow, a death that does not come by a sword piercing your physical heart, but it comes by a sword piercing your soul. Like her son she was to suffer and offer her sufferings to God, but her son was to suffer physically while she was to suffer out of her compassion for him. This is the role that the Father gave her and it's a role eminently fitting for the greatest of all women. It was the woman's role in our redemption. Women are much better at sorrowing and being compassionate than men are. Women have a genius for being compassionate, which men do not have. To be compassionate is to suffer with the other. Women go out to others more easily than men do. Women feel the pains of others much more easily than men do. And among women, the most compassionate are those who are mothers. And among mothers, the most compassionate of them all is the mother of God. Father Geragou lagrange she says, there is a very intimate connection between compassion and motherhood. For the deepest compassion is that of a mother. And Mary would not have been a worthy mother of the Redeemer had she been lacking in conformity of will with his redemptive oblation. We know what God asked of Abraham, that Abraham go to Mount Moriah and that he sacrifice his only son on that mountain, that Abraham obeyed. He climbed the mountain, he bound his son, he put him on the altar, but in the end, God stopped him from consummating that sacrifice. With Our Lady, God asked her to accompany her son to the altar of sacrifice to suffer almost to death in seeing her beloved son suffer and die, and then to offer her sufferings to God for the salvation of mankind in union with the offering of her son's sufferings. Because she was a woman because she was a mother, she suffered more in seeing him suffer than she would have if she herself was suffering. This is what Bossuet points out, a famous preacher in France in the 1600s, in the reign of Louis XIV. Bossuet says one cross is enough for her and her beloved. She endures the pangs of all his wounds by only gazing on them. Her heart makes her torment exquisite and ranks her at the head of martyrs without any need for her body to be touched. This is the reason, the main reason, why Our Lady was at the foot of the cross because God the Father had asked her to be there, had asked her to suffer, and had asked her to offer her sufferings for the redemption of Of the human race in union with the sufferings of her son. That is the main reason why she was there. To understand secondly what she did when she was there we have to try somehow to get some sense of the suffering of Our Lady at the foot of the cross and when we do that we find it very difficult. How much Did she suffer? It's difficult, but we have to make the effort. This is what the whole second part of the Stabat Mater is about, addressing Our Lady and asking her, please help me understand something of what you suffered. Help me feel something of what you suffered so that I can compassionate with you. Make me weep with you make me feel your pains, make me feel the force of sorrow, that vim dolores that you experience." How much did, did she suffer? How can you measure suffering? What sort of metric can we use in order to measure the intensity of the suffering of a human being? Well, how much you suffer comes from how much you love. If you don't love, you can't suffer. And how much you love comes from how good you are, how much you're able to sacrifice yourself for another, how unselfish you are. We know that Our Lady's goodness was the greatest because she was the very best creature that God had created. As a result, her love was the greatest. She had the love of someone who was without sin, without a single shadow of sin, the love of someone who was utterly unselfish, who was absolutely pure, and who was a mother. St. Louis de Montfort says that if you had all the mothers of the world and you took all their love, all the love that they have for, for their children, and you poured all that love into the heart of a single mother for one child, that would not equal the love that Our Lady had for her son. Our Lady's love was greater than the love of other mothers, not only in degree, but also in kind. This is what Bosway points out. His point is a little hard to understand, but it's, it's a very beautiful point. He says, the way in which Our Lady became a mother was not the same in which the other mothers become mothers. Other mothers become mothers through nature. It's through their intercourse with the human man through the processes of nature that they become mothers. But this is not the way in which Our Lady became a mother. She became mother by the workings of grace. God made her a mother by the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost. So in a sense, her motherhood has not its origin in nature, but it has its origin in God himself. And therefore, her relationship with her son was almost more divine then it was natural because her motherhood was rooted in the very divinity of God not that she was God and this is something that catholics never confused never get confused about regardless of what the, Pro- the protestants say about us we never think she's god but at the same time we recognize in her as someone upon whom god has worked more than any other creature god overshadowed her god was at the, the direct origin of her motherhood. And so because God the Father enabled her to share in his paternity, because he gave her the same power that he has to beget God the Son, so too she's able to share in that love of the Father. The love that the Father has for the Son, Our Lady is able to have a similar love for her Son, because she receives the power of her motherhood to beget him from God the Father. And I say all this to show you that Our Lady's love was the very greatest. And if her love was the greatest, then her suffering was the greatest, because your ability to suffer is based on your ability to love. Her martyrdom was a martyrdom of love. To make her suffer, they did not need to touch her. They only needed to touch her son. And have her present. What does this mean for what Our Lady accomplished at the foot of the cross? She did what God asked her to do. She stood at the foot of the cross and witnessed the death of her son and offered her sufferings to the eternal Father. Abraham was stopped from sacrificing his son, he was prevented from consummating the sacrifice. But there was no angel there to stop the death. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. No one came to take Our Lady's son down from the cross. She stood at the foot of the cross suffering until he died. And only then did they take him down and put him in her arms, and then they went to the tomb and buried him and they walked away. What did Our Lady accomplish by faithfully fulfilling what God had demanded of her? She accomplished our redemption in union with and in subordination to her son. St. Pius X says, In uniting herself to the passion and death of her son, she suffered almost unto death. As far as it depended upon her, she immolated her son, so that it can be said that with him she redeemed the human race. And Leo XIII says, It is a great thing in any saint to have grace sufficient for the salvation of many souls. To have enough grace to suffice for the salvation of everybody in the world is the greatest of all, and this is found in Christ and the Blessed Virgin. Our Lord merited a sufficient graces for the salvation of the entire human race by way of justice. Our Lady merited sufficient graces for the salvation of the entire human race by what's called way of friendship, by a certain proportion the two of them together redeemed the human race. So we've seen why Our Lady was at the foot of the cross in order to fulfill the mission that God had given her, and what she did there. She suffered terribly and willingly offered her sufferings for our redemption. Now it only remains for us to see what this means for us. We know that when anyone that accomplishes something great they deserve a reward. When anyone accomplishes something great for God, they deserve a reward from God himself. And God is the very greatest of rewarders because he is the most generous and he has the most power to reward. He has the most ability to give blessings to us. When God the Father saw that his daughter had most faithfully accomplished all that he asked her to do, that she had suffered so much, he wanted to give her a big reward. He wanted to give her a reward that was so big, it was as big as the world that he had created. He knew that she was a mother because he had made her a mother. And he knew what all mothers love. Mothers love life. What delights the heart of a mother most of all is life. Mothers are the source of life, and they love to bring life into this world, and they love to sustain life. So as a reward to the mother of sorrows for her great role in our redemption, God made her the mother of all the living. He made her the queen of all those who live with the life of her son. He made it such that everyone who receives supernatural life, receives it from her hands. This is what we mean when we call her the Mediatrix of all graces. All around the world, millions of people right now are receiving graces, graces which lead them to eternal life, and they're receiving them from the Queen of Heaven and Earth, Our Lady. Our Lady is the most powerful mother because the life, the type of life that she gives is a life without end. She is a mother that other mothers can only dream of being. In that, she's able to give a life to her children that prevents them from ever dying. An eternal life, a life that will never be taken away from them. Saint Louis de Montfort says that God has given to Our Lady the task of filling up the empty seats in heaven. When the angels fell, they left seats vacant, and they need to be filled up in justice. And God has assigned His daughter to fill those seats with her own spiritual children. God has asked her to be the mother who will populate heaven. Earthly mothers populate earth. Our heavenly mother populates heaven. So if you want to make it to heaven, you must want to be a child of this mother. If you want to be a child of this mother, there are certain things that you have to do. First of all, you have to love Our Lady. You have to believe that God has given her to be your mother. You must rejoice in this fact that he's given you such a beautiful mother to take care of you. You rejoice in the fact by admiring her, by seeing how good she is, how she is the hero of our race, the heroine of our race, how she crushes the head of the devil, how she desires to take care of us and lead us to heaven. And if you foster these thoughts in your mind, you will have a very great love for her. Secondly, you have to want to imitate her. God gave her a role to accomplish in this life. That's the main point, that we see that when she's standing at the foot of the cross. She's fulfilling the role that God gave her to assist in the redemption of the human race. It was a role that involved much suffering. She accepted that role. She endured the suffering. She received the reward. You've got to be like her. You've got to do the same. God has also given you a role in this life and it involves suffering. How can we refuse suffering in this life when we see our lady standing at the foot of the cross? How can we complain to God that we have to suffer here below? When he asked this of his own son and his own mother, we have absolutely no grounds of complaint. We must accept the sufferings that God wills to happen to us in this life and use them in the same way that Our Lady used them to gain graces for ourselves, for our families, for our children. You must be willing to endure all the suffering that comes with your role, the role that God has given you in this life. You must lovingly offer your sacrifices and your sufferings to God in this life. And to do this, because you're not strong enough to do this, you're going to have to unite yourself with the sufferings of Our Lady. I want you to pay close attention to the second part of the Stabat Mater. The scholar is going to be singing the Stabat Mater um, at Mass today. And in the second part, the first part, the poet tells us about the scene. He describes the scene of Our Lady standing at the foot of the cross. And in the second part, he turns to Our Lady. And he has all these prayers to Our Lady. And in these prayers, all that he's asking her, all that he wants is to be able to unite with the sufferings that she's experiencing. striking number of the verses of the Stabat Mater ask for a participation in the sufferings of Our Lady. The poet wants to suffer with Our Lady because he loves her and he wants to be like her. We must want the same thing. O thou mother, fount of love, let me mingle tears with thee, mourning him who mourned for me all the days that I might live. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.